Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a Mac and Mac edition of Birds 365 on a Thursday thereafter edition. Yeah, now the rebuilding begins, or so Eagle fans hope. Uh, how much change is going to come after the Eagles uh, lost to Tampa Bay on Monday night? I haven't had a chance to talk about it with my buddy, my partner, Johnny Mac, just yet. We'll do some of that today, but we'll also be looking ahead to what changes are coming and people's opinions on it. and. Man, there's a lot to parse out over the next two hours here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, first thing first, glad you had safe travels. Got up and down from Tampa, back into the cold that is here, the Northeast. And some people thought the cold was going to blow in an early firing of Nick Sirianni. Well, it could have happened Tuesday morning or Tuesday night or yesterday or last night. It hasn't happened yet. There are reports out there that the Eagles are investigating coaching changes, but not necessarily the head coach's position. Today's a pretty big day because Sirianni's supposed to meet with both uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. What do you read into the hours since the Eagles were officially eliminated uh, from playoff contention <clears throat> with the fact that their head coach is still their head coach? Yeah, well, I always thought the head coach would still be the head coach, so it's no surprise to me, but I, I will say that uh, – not over yet. I mean, he hasn't met with Jeffrey Lurie to, yet, so that'll likely happen today. Um, and until that meeting happens, uh, you know, nothing is off the table because we saw it with Doug Peterson. And I've said it numerous times, Jody. I mean, they went into that meeting, Jeffrey Lurie, with the assumption that Doug Peterson was going to be back. And he didn't like what he heard. And all of a sudden, things changed. So, it, 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 you know, the odds are Nick Sirianni is going to be the head coach of this team. It was never going to be a emotional decision as poor as that performance was. That generally isn't the way uh, Jeffrey Lurie does business. Now, maybe if they were three and 13 or three and 14 for consecutive years, yeah, he would have just fired him right away, but he was always going to listen and 
uh, be take his measured approach. And that's where we are in this particular process. So odds are he's going to be back. Um, and, and if, but if Jeffrey doesn't like the plan, just as he didn't with Doug Peterson back in 2021, that can change. So, you know, we're basically all mulling over one guy's decision and, you know, that can change in a whim. So, um, you know, I, 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 if you're excited about a potential Nick Sirianni exit, I would temper that. Uh, but if you're assuming hundred percent, he's back, I'd also temper that a little bit. Let me ask you about that. And uh, I think for the most part, it's good, but it sounds like the meeting that they're going to have judging by history for sure. Uh, but just in general, has a lot of weight on a decision of whether you're going to keep a coach or fire a coach. And it certainly should have a lot of weight, but it should, should it be the ultimate decider? He's been the coach for three years. He's made the playoffs for three straight years. He has just finished up one of the most epic collapses in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Shouldn't the performance over three years weigh more than What's going to be said in a closed door, behind a closed door in uh, Jeff Laurie's office with he and Howie and Nick in a room together? Well, I think that's the whole reason he does business the way he does business, because it is about the entire enormity of the three seasons. And it's not about one game in Tampa. It's not even about seven games at the end of this season. Uh, if it were, he'd be fired. Um, so yes, but Jeffrey's very, uh, analytical from a standpoint of, of, he wants things going in the right direction from a philosophical standpoint. So if that derails in his mind, not to say he's right or, or, or wrong or middle of the road or indifferent, but if that's off the rails from his standpoint, and Nick Sirianni doesn't have a plan to correct it. Um, yeah, for instance, we'll, we'll go back to Doug again. Doug wanted to move forward with Press Taylor on offense. He had Matt Burke on defense. If it wasn't Matt Burke, he wanted Corey Unlin. And Jeffrey wanted outside voices. Um, you know, he might want outside voices this time around. How does Nick Sirianni handle that? These are all the questions that have to be answered. Um, but you know, there's a report from Diana Rossini that how we both Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni are reaching out to to potential coaches out there. So there's going to be significant um, changes on the coaching staff, and I think Nick already understood that. Um, and you know, we'll see who he pushes out. You know, one of the Unfortunate things about this industry is there will be scapegoats when expectations are not met. And Jeffrey Lurie has not been immune to that, certainly. So um, coaches will lose their job. Uh, I do not believe it will be the head coach. And we're in that process. Then the clock really starts on Nick Sirianni next season. And if he has another poor season or another season where the expectations are not, not met because it's really, it's, it's funny how, and it was a terrible ending. Don't get me wrong, but 
still 11 wins. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to call it a poor season overall, but that's where we are um, in a season underwhelming or another collapse would certainly put them in major, major peril next year, but that's a long way off. John, I do want to break down the usage of one word and you use it and I use it. And at times I think it's been very applicable and that's scapegoats. We both on birds 365 have sat here and said, who's Jeff Laurie going to scapegoat this time? Um, because I think he has done it in the past. Would you consider removing, firing, not bringing back, call it what you want, Matt Patricia, Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, scapegoating? Uh, with Brian and Sean, certainly, not necessarily with Matt. Um and that's not a criticism of Matt. I mean, Matt was put in an untenable situation. I, I, I've been saying it, and we haven't been together since the game. But, you know, for all the people that want Nick Sirianni fired, I think your arguments are in the wrong direction because they're all talking about the offense. The offense has been terrible. But that's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen, the move that late in the season for a 10-3 and team. And, again, it started at 8-1. and So, for me, it's for an 8-1 and team to completely change coordinators. They can use whatever word play they want to use because they never change the titles, but they change the coordinators. And Slay talked about it yesterday, they compared it to a marriage, being married to two different women. They want two completely different things. It's just insanity. And I said, if, if that's the head coach's decision, Nick Sirianni continues to say it was his decision, his decision, his decision. That's a fireable offense. The offense didn't play well. They didn't execute. They didn't, they didn't, you know, the players who are supposed to be stars didn't perform like stars. Um, and I think people are hyper-focused on that because offense is always the most exciting part, the lead part. That decision was an abject disaster. Any way you look at it. Up and down, it, it made so no sense from the from the standpoint of, of, of you know, Sean Desai. Okay, behind the scene, we don't get to see behind the scenes. Sean Desai was completely overwhelmed and not prepared for that job. It's possible. He had been a defensive coordinator before. I find it very hard to believe. They talked him up, they talked him up, they talked him up. Then he's the worst coordinator in the world. And somehow they got worse when they brought in another defensive coordinator. You know, it, it, that that is where I would start if you want Nick Sirianni out. But as far as with those three names, I would say the only one, because you know, they already skate-coded jump side, let's be honest. That's in the review mirror. Brian would be more of the skate-gift than Matt, I would say. Well, I, I didn't ask you who would be more. I didn't ask you to put him in an order. I'm asking, would you consider yes. their... Brian, remote... yeah. Brian, yes. Matt, no. Brian, yes. Matt, no. And Desai already has been scapegoated, yeah. so it, uh, that, that could be a potential new level. I don't know, but you've been getting fired just worse than getting demoted for me. So, uh, here's how I feel. I don't think it's scapegoating for any of them. Because my definition of scapegoating includes the fact that it's 
above beyond that it was necessary that you're unfairly pointing a figure and or taking an action against that individual that doesn't really deserve it. And I don't think any of them deserve to be back positions with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I would come up short of calling any of them scapegoating. Now, I might just have a different definition of scapegoating than you, John, or anybody else. Uh, I, I do factor in what I consider to be unfairly, because if you can use the word, you're making a value judgment yourself. You're considering it scapegoating when you say this person has been scapegoated. I, I guess I'm kind of giving Jeffrey slash everybody involved a bit of a pass here because if the three coordinators, which is friggin' weird to begin with, that the Philadelphia Eagles used this year are all told their service is no longer necessary, I got no problems with any of it. I am okay with all of them being fired and is scapegoating anytime you fire anybody? Not to me. <clears throat> I don't no. know that there will be scapegoating. Um. Yeah, I mean... No, it's not always. I just said, with from my perspective, Matt would be no, um, and he was put in a bad position, but um, shouldn't have been put in that position. So from that standpoint, I, it, it belongs on the on the head coach. Um, yeah, I I think both Brian and Sean uh, should have been back for the reason that um, people have to grow in their positions. Look, I think this team, and I've. I'm the first to raise my hand with the expectations. Now I've been saying that consistently we're, we're out of control to begin with at 10 and one, they reached fever pitch level out of control. Um, so that, that part of it is, is something maybe you can't control. Um, but you should understand it. And you should also understand you had two really good coordinators. Um, and the assumption that the the next two would be the exact same immediately is is ludicrous, and and the organization should understand that. So people need to have an opportunity to grow in their particular positions. Um, that's same argument I use with micro, pun intended. Um, he was growing in the position; he was getting better. He was getting better, but you know. People wouldn't accept him for whatever reason. Um, now, in the in the case of Brian and Sean, they need an opportunity to grow in the position. I, I look continuity is not a guarantee of success, but you can look all over the league and the teams that that are are more successful. So, I mean, it's it's a way better way to do business. Now you have to make original decisions if you make wrong decisions. And that's why I leave it more open-ended with Sean because of what happened. Clearly they thought they made a wrong decision um, because when you start talking about making changes like that, when you're eight and one, something else is going on. There's something else going on because you just don't even think that way at eight and one um, with Brian. Yeah. I mean, and and then you're affecting the quarterback as well. So the assumption is, you're not getting rid of Jalen Hurts. I mean, so what do you, what do you, what are you trying to do? You're trying to antagonize the quarterback as well, who took a step back for the first time in his career, not only his career in the NFL, but his career as a uh, a football player going back to college. That's the one thing everybody said about Jalen Hurts. He's improved every year. 
incremental improvement. Even when he got benched in Alabama, he improved that season. He improved, 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 improved. Bang. Yeah, then let me then let me ask you this, John. If he's done that, which he has, went from Alabama, got replaced, went to Oklahoma, whole new coaching staff, whole new coordinator, gets drafted in the NFL. Whole new team, whole new head coach, new offense quarter. Next year, whole new coach, new offense quarter. And he improved that entire time, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it again? Why would you run in fear of it? Why would you go, oh, you don't want to do you don't want to upset Jalen Hurts. You don't want to put him to the test. You don't want to do that. He's he's done it every single time. If every single year there's been change, 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 change. Why would I worry about, oh, my God, you don't want to fire Brian Johnson because it might upset Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been dealing with him for the last five years. Well, it's not. Look, I mean, a lot of people can play the, the, and I'm an old school guy, play the old school game. It shouldn't matter, you know, suck it up. But the reality is modern sports is modern sports. You see it in every sport. I mean, superstars, and he's a superstar, whether you believe he's a superstar or not. So you wouldn't um, do it because he's reached superstar status and level? Well, I, I wouldn't do it because you acquiesce to what the superstars want, and everybody does it. In this town, the best example of it would be the Sixers and Joel Embiid. Maybe it's not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just reality of modern sports. Um, you want to you wanna, uh, piss off the quarterback on top of everything? Uh, that you're dealing with, I don't know. You can do it. I'm not saying you can't do it. And by the way, it, maybe Jalen Hurts says, "You know what? I don't care." Um, you know the assumption. Oh, by that, the way, that's probably what he's going to say because Jalen Hurts doesn't take too many harsh stances. He kind of just goes flat level on base. Well, that's so. that's 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 in in front of the camera. You know, when when we were let in the locker room after the game very long cooling off period as you can imagine first thing we saw as we walked in the rock locker room jalen hurts and brian johnson sitting there um together um having a very in-depth conversation um they're close um and do you want to impact the quarterback as well? Maybe you do. Maybe you want to upset him. Maybe you want to unsettle him. Maybe you want to send a message to him. Right, then, I'm just saying I'm, that's I'm typically. I'm again. saying. I'm saying typically that's not the way it happens in modern sports. That's Fair what enough. I'm saying. Um, so I do want to answer this one question. Les Bowen scheduled to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, you just noted that it's been a complete t- trajectory for Jalen for his entire career. Gets better, gets better, gets better. Improvement, improvement, improvement to the high of the high heights last year. He went backwards for the first time. Somebody's got to have an explanation to it. There's got to be a reason for it other than just, well, he was due to go backwards because you can't keep that trajectory up forever. But there there really should be something tangible. If they're going to look for answers from Nick Sirianni today as how he's going to turn this thing around, and answers are important, what is the answer as to why Jalen went bats backwards? And is it fair for me to speculate? And that's all this is, is speculation. It's not good that he is as tight with his offensive coordinator that he is. That at each of his improvement steps, he had a relationship with the offensive coordinator and head coach. And the one thing that changed this year was he got a guy that he's known since he's been a kid to come in and be his offensive coordinator. Is that not a a fair conclusion? Well, I don't. I, that, that, the fact that 
they met each other when I believe Jalen was four years old, I think is a little bit overblown because it isn't like Brian as a, you know, high school players hanging out with a four-year-old. He just met him. Uh, and that, and, and, and they haven't really, you know, he recruited him twice in college, by the way, he didn't get him either time. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't like this queen singing best friends forever song. They, they got together here. They knew each other. They had a, a great relationship as a, a quarterback coach and a quarterback and obviously moves on to be offensive coordinator. I would argue to your point, Jody, um, People have already made the assumption, a lot of people, I'm not saying you, but a lot of people have made the assumption he didn't regress, and it's the coach's fault. That's why we're here. It's Sirianni's fault. It's Brian Johnson's fault. It's Alex Tanney's fault. It's everybody's fault but the quarterback himself. So once I would say to those people, you buy well, that? Which no, the quarterback regressed. Yeah, so the assumption is I on the same page there. I, I, but a lot of people are on a different page and they've already made that decision that it's because of the coaches that he's gone backwards. I would argue, I've seen Jalen Hurts successfully handle a blitz many times since 2021, many times, same head coach. Yes. Different offensive coordinator, but the head coach is in charge of the offense. There are hot routes in the offense. Believe it or not, there are site adjustments in the offense. And by the way, for fans who think there aren't, think about what that is, site adjustment. That comes from the receiver and the quarterback on the field. They had a really difficult time with zero blitz. By the way, Jason Kelsey, Camp Jurgens, two of the worst games they ever played in Tampa. Awful, awful. And Jason Kelsey's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. Played a bad game. It happens. Cam Jurgens played a worse game. It happens. Um, that didn't help in, in that particular 60 minutes of football. Yeah, a lot of it goes on the quarterback himself. And Jalen talked about that yesterday. He's got to look in the mirror. He's got to uh, evolve as a player. And and because he's going to see a bunch of zero blitzes next year. Jason Kelsey ain't going to be there. Uh, no matter, you know, when he wants to announce it on new heights would be my guess. Uh, his podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, first of all, for the people who already are making excuses and it's about all the coaches, well, if it's, you can't have it both ways. My, my, my belief is continuity is better than the alternative. This organization, organization certainly believed in Brian Johnson before the season and for many years, uh, with three years, now, but Sean decides a little bit different because he came from outside. They clearly thought they made a mistake. Um, which is it? You got to choose one side of the fence. My side of the fence is I think coaches need time to grow in their positions. Yeah, I think there were expectations before. Were they unrealistically high? Probably. Did the Sixers, uh, did the Eagles underachieve massively? Yes. That's why I'm okay with either of the two coordinators uh, being shown the door. Yes, continuity is better. But continuity at least has to, in part, be earned. It, 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 you, you can't start from zero and, and try and work your way. If, you, if you've got talent, the Eagles had talent coming into this season, and they finished as awfully as they did. They surely didn't raise expectations. So if you don't make the top-level expectation, 
I think you got to be closer than what the Eagles ended up at. That's why I think there's going to be a change on both coordinator positions. That's just my guess. That would also be the way I would handle it if I were Jeff Flory and Howie Roseman. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jordy McDonald. We have our guy, Les Bowen, in the green room. He's ready to jump in with us. You've gotten some of our takes from what the hell happened here at the end of the season and how the immediate future will or won't change around the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll give you another wise veterans uh, look at it and how, how's this going to play out for the Eagles. One last Bowen joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
Magamac here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald, we are joined by a guy who's only been covering Eagles for a couple of years, a couple being decades. Uh, you can get all of his insights and thoughts on his website, Les Bowen, that's with an E, Les Bowen's John, J-A-W-N.com. And he's good enough to hop in with us when we uh, request his presence. Les Bowen joins us here on Birds 365. Les, as I give you credit for how long you've been covering the Eagles. Playoff collapse, comparable Philadelphia Eagles to Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that as bad as you remember? Yeah, it is. The only thing that's remotely, there's nothing really comparable. I mean, there's never been a team that started out 10-1 and and then did this. Uh, But I remember that last year with Donovan McNabb, um, Things. it was a winning team that toward the end of the season kind of faltered and they played Dallas in the regular season finale for seeding, I guess. I don't remember the specifics. And they got whomped. And that meant that they had to play Dallas in the wild card round the very next oh, week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And fun. it was the exact same game. They got whomped again. Uh, it was like that in that nobody expected them to go down to Tampa and play well. I think there were some people that expected Tampa to be so helpless that the Eagles would somehow stumble to victory, which actually seemed almost possible when it was 16 to nine, uh, well into the third quarter. But, you know, I mean, this team, I, I, I keep saying, and I know it sure looks like Nick Sirianni is coming back and I guess he is, but I've never seen a team play like this over a prolonged period at the end of the season and the coach not get fired. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I'll be fascinated with how they try to put this back together and send him back out there next year in front of a fan base that, you know, certainly isn't uh, going to be real receptive to that. I don't think uh, it's, you know, people stop playing. I mean, it, it, I don't know any better way to put it than that. They didn't know what they didn't have any confidence in what they were being asked to do. They can all stand in front of their lockers on cleanout day and say, oh, you know, I love Nick and this is great and everything's going to be wonderful. But they checked out. Uh, there's no other way to put it. And I, hmm, I will just have to see how this goes. Yeah, that was the, the Donovan game you were mentioned. That was the air guitar game, Les. Remember that? Yes. He was playing yes. air guitar and everybody had a problem with that. They didn't show up, but... Uh, yeah, I thought that was the most disturbing part of the game in Tampa was the tackling. And and tackling, there's some technique and fundamental involved, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of effort involved too. And right. I didn't see a lot of effort down the field. Um, and that uh, was the most, as I said, troubling part to me because if, teams, if a team is checking out on you, but I don't think the veteran leaders were. And there's no. a and and you've been to a lot of clean out days, um, and every there's a couple guys who just they're out of dodge, and mm-hmm. the, the same thing happened yesterday. Marcus Mariota, Nick Morrow, Shaq Leonard, uh, out of dodge. I mean, there's not a speck of dust in their lockers. Never mind any personal items. Um, not the case with the veteran leaders who generally stood up for Nick Sirianni. Is that meaningful to you or is that not all that meaningful? At the very least, I think, John, they're leading, they're reading the tea leaves there. I mean, 
I think if Nick were going to be fired, it would be done by now. You know, uh, you have a report uh, that uh, Nick and Howie are calling around about coaches, which certainly indicates that Nick's going to be, you know, making these decisions. Well, we want I would not want to be a guy standing there saying, well, the coach didn't do a very good job. And then they're going to bring the coach yeah. back. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough sell, by the way. But he hasn't yeah. met with Jeffrey yet until he meets yeah. with Jeffrey. But Jeffrey's not clumsy enough to have him go through all of this. And no. then, you know, after people have already started hiring coaches, say, oh, by the way, you're fired. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see that. Uh, yeah. You know, well, you but, do I, but. Nick could, Nick could open mouth could and insert it on his own. Yeah. 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 He, Nick, is, Nick is it possible? No ideas. About I don't think he can put a zero pretend he could be fired. I think Nick could go in and absolutely shoot himself today. Yeah, he could. He could. I, That's the I only way it's going to get done, but but they have to at least yeah. leave that possibility open. But I've said before, I think in the previous times when Lurie's had to fire a coach, it's come at the end of a horrible season, a losing season. And even with Doug Peterson, I mean, there was a lot of talk that uh, they kind of thought Doug was going to stay, but – there were also reports that Doug wanted out. The team was 4-11-1. They had spent a few months thinking of what they would do if they had to hire a coach. They weren't maybe, you know, discussing Nick Sirianni specifically, but they had some idea they might be hiring a coach. Three, four weeks ago, they had no idea they were going to be hiring a head coach. And I think that's a big deal with somebody like Jeffrey Lurie. He's a process guy. You know, he... He wants to, you know, have a foot-thick, leather-bound report on his desk from all of his yeah, about, yeah. You know, you Matt Patricia's binder. That's what yeah, got Matt Patricia the job. He's not one to shoot from the hip. Yeah. You know, he's not one to. Well, say, let oh. me ask you about that because yeah. you know, I often this is a very, as you mentioned, collaborative organization, and that mm -hmm. comes from Jeffrey, and he wants all these different voices. Um, and he wants all this advice. At some time, at some point, does that become a detriment? Because we're all asking, like, who made the decision on 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 Matt Patricia? I truly believe it was Nick, so he deserves yeah. credit. But I could be wrong. Yeah, um, I, I think you we, meant same blame, right, John? Not credit. Yeah, well, credit <laughs> in the form of blame. Blame. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Um, it's certainly on Nick from my standpoint, but I can't say that with a hundred percent because Jeffrey, you know, he can't yeah. just walk in the door and say, Hey, today I'm going to make Matt Patricia, uh, the defensive coordinator, the de facto DC. He's got to run that by how he's going to run that by Nick. Um, excuse me, Jeffrey, he's got to run it by people. Are they too collaborative? Is it getting their way occasionally? That's a very good question, John. I, there's certainly a case to be made for that. And uh, not only are they maybe a little too collaborative, but the fact that you don't ever hear during the season from Howie or from Jeffrey leads to wild speculation. It doesn't help. I, I don't think I make fun of the fact that Jerry Jones has a press conference after every game where he, it's great though, where he, great, you know, I don't know if we should have done that on 34, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, that's why no good coach who's really on the way up ever takes that job. But 
at the same time, I would like to have some idea. You know, you don't have to speak in absolutes or anything, but after the last game, you know, when people see you stalking through the corridor the way Jeffrey was, you know, with his jaw set, you know, what what are your thoughts about this season? Give me something. Give me a little bit of a, an indicator of, of where your head is. I mean, you're a smart man. You're, you can speak without, you know, putting your foot in your mouth. Uh, I, I go back to the Chip Kelly firing year, John. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but I actually I was going through some pictures on my phone and I stumbled upon the pictures of Jeffrey on the field at Novacare right before the season started, where he gave us chapter and verse about what a wonderful leader Chip Kelly was and his leadership style was just right for this organization. And he had all the confidence in the world in Chip Kelly. And with a week left in the season, he couldn't wait to fire the guy. And I eventually got to talk to Jeffrey about that at an owner's meeting, kind of off the record. And he, he basically said, well, you know, I felt like I needed an indicate support. You know, basically, I needed to lie to you. Yeah, I guess. yeah. yeah. I, that's not, no. I, you know, people need to have, there, there's plenty of things he could have said going into the season that wouldn't have stabbed Chip in the back, but would not have been, this is the, yeah. Chip's the most well, wonderful guy we've ever had here. What are you talking I about? I think yeah. the most convoluted explanation to anything I've ever remembered from Jeffrey Lurie was the twisted, I had to give Chip the power to see what he really was. I mean, that that is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, That, was, that was incompetence on his yeah. part, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that was just, you had two years of Chip, two 10 and six seasons. The second one, you didn't even make the playoffs. It wasn't really, it started out, I think nine and three or something and ended up 10 and six. Yeah. You don't give a guy more, you don't say the, the, the problem here is that chip doesn't have enough power. Yeah. Uh, if you have any conviction in your own uh, judgment in making Howie Roseman, the general manager, you don't say, Oh, okay, chip, we'll just toss Howie over here. You know, and and you do whatever you want, trade away all the good players. Sure, uh, no, I mean that just doesn't speak very highly of of him and his processes that he likes to talk about. Uh, so you know, it's uh, anyway. What I was what I started off on this tangent with was the collaboration and the lack of transparency at any point. You know, from from the organization. Uh, you don't know what they're thinking. You never know what they're thinking until they do something. And then, you know, and yeah. then you have to kind of. And then everybody says, oh, we were lying to you. What, which yeah. is Nick, you yeah. know, Nick in Seattle. Same thing. Uh, right. Protecting the player. Oh, I had to lie to you. Essentially yeah. is what he said. Um, yeah. Yeah. It happens all the time. It's all right, Les, uh, <laughs> I need, I need you to do some ranking for me. Okay. Um, the three most powerful Eagle coaches before the season started head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. The season is over and done with the results are what the results are. Mm -hmm. I need you to rank. Should they be fired? Yes. Or no. Give me the yes or no. And put them in an order of most culpable of the three, knowing that different responsibilities, different things they had to do, different experiences, all in evaluation of should they be meritorious of keeping their job? 
Give me a yes or no on Sirianni, on Johnson, on uh, Desai. And what order would you put them in of most culpable to least culpable to be fired? Well, I think the, the most culpable has to be the defense. I mean, you can't, looking at what they did statistically, looking at how it all unfolded, uh, that was a disaster. It never really looked decent uh, at any point during the season. They had a couple good games in the middle part of the season, I guess. Um, they really did better when they were struggling with injury than they were when they were healthy. Um, that was the worst mess and i don't think there's any case for retaining that guy um nick i i wouldn't i wouldn't fall over myself to retain nick but they know i guess more than i do about what's available and who they can fit in with and you know john alluded to the collaborative nature thing there's some of the top candidates that are available right now aren't going to be part of that collaborative yeah. process uh yeah. you know um Nick would be second to me, but I, I don't think he's going to get fired. I, if it were my organization, there's a good chance he would be, but I don't think that's going to happen. Brian Johnson, I have no idea. I mean, I heard John kind of sticking up for him there before I came on. I don't know. I, if you're not going to fire him, you better fire the quarterbacks coach because you Jalen Hurts was wandering in the desert this year, uh, and some of that's probably Jalen's fault, but not all of it. Uh, you know, everybody's seen the film cut-ups from, uh, from Monday night with the blitz and the wide-open field, nobody in the middle of the field, and four guys running down the sidelines as hard as they can while the blitz <laughs> comes into Jalen's face. That's, that's ludicrous. Uh, you know, and somebody's got to fix that. So uh, I would certainly get rid of Brian Johnson if I can get a decent, off decent offensive coordinator in here meshing him with Nick Sirianni, that's got to be tricky. Uh, I've said, you know, if you bring in a new offensive coordinator and he wants to change things, then what exactly does Nick Sirianni do if it's not yeah, his offense? You might as well. If you're going to change the offensive coordinator, you might as well fire the coach. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But I, defense, you've got to get that straightened out day one and kind of work on the rest of it as you go along. I don't know what you do. I, I think a lot of position coaches are going to get fired because you didn't see people getting any better, yeah. you know, and I thought what Darius Slay said about Denard Wilson was very telling, uh, you know, that even if they kept him around as defensive backs coach, which he was apparently willing to do, that this would have been better than what they ended up with. Uh, and maybe Denard Wilson comes back as the coordinator if the Ravens, you know, uh, by the way, he got a he got an interview for the Giants uh, defensive coordinator job uh, already, yeah. Denard Wilson. So, yeah, I mean, that was probably a mistake, probably not staying in-house with Denard. Um, a lot of issues that can go back. But I, I do believe, and this is what I was saying, Les, I want to get your thought on this. And I think there's evidence in the building. And, and what I mean by that is last season, you had two very good coordinators, even though people mm -hmm. didn't know it with one of them, but now they know it. They had a top five offense, a top five defense. Um, they were terrible on special teams. Terrible. Yeah. And everybody said, fire Michael Clay, fire Michael Clay, mm -hmm. fire Michael Clay. All of a sudden, they're pretty damn good on special teams. They yeah. fell apart on defense. Um, 
They they were still good over the long haul offensively, but down the stretch they were terrible. And the special teams, you're saying, yeah, they're pretty solid on special yeah, teams. Yeah. Michael Clay grows into the position. Um, he did. I don't really get it, but he did. Yeah. Um. You know, sometimes, and and by nature, we saw it with Andy. Re- Andy Reid's 1999. You know this. His coaching mm-hmm. staff, his original coaching staff, is one of the great coaching staffs of all time. Right. It really yes. is. And then, as you started to get the attrition, the Xerox copy, I, I always like to compare it, never quite as sharp as the original. Right. Now, sometimes they get better and they get better and they grow into the position. You had some good guys moving forward, some bad guys. Do people need a chance to grow into a damn position? Do, do yeah, and I can more look at that with, uh, I was watching Sean McDermott the other day on the side and reflecting on how he got bounced out of here. Yeah. As yeah. Coordinator because Asante Samuel and a few of the veterans are like, who is this clown from William and Mary? You know, this little guy that uh, never played in the league. He's yelling at me. You know, he's not Jim Johnson. I won't play for this guy. You know, well, he's had a pretty long career since then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, there's a, a whole bunch of people that had him fired when Buffalo was six and six. Oh, who's going to be coaching the Bills? Yeah, next but year? they win this week. They're in the right. AFC Championship game. Yes. How's that going? People who wanted Sean McDermott fired at six. Exactly. Six. You know, uh, but, you know, it, there are, I mean, Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator here after they, they fired one in 2012. Yeah. yeah. And that was hapless. I mean, we would talk to Todd Bowles every week and he was like, yeah, we're going to go out there again. You know, I mean, there was nothing to indicate that Todd Bowles was going to be any. I respected him as, you know, as a guy who even at that point had had been a good coach in a few places, but you, you couldn't tell by anything that was happening there that Todd Bowles was any great shakes as a coach for sure. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i way on the outside of it here. But with Clay, I, I just wonder if the personnel got a little better, too. Well, they did. Don't, no <laughs> doubt about it. And that's why I always say that's a big part. That's a bigger part of special teams than I think it is in when, some other when, areas. Because a lot of, if you don't devote any resources to special teams, you're going to have bad special teams. There's no wonderful special team scheme. And they found that out with that uh, – Bobby April guy they hired, you know, who was supposed to be yeah. a special teams whiz. Remember that many, many years ago? Yeah, Bobby. Uh, yeah. You know, if you don't put John the... Bossel's pretty good at it, though. Dave Bibb yeah, was pretty damn good at it. Out, the good special teams coordinators demand or have the gravitas to demand, okay, I need this roster spot. I need a guy that can do this. I need this. You don't just say, okay, what do you have left over this week on the 53 that I can run out there and protect a punt return with you, you know, know some, that, by the way <laughs> somebody um oh i wish i were there i read a great article and i forget i'll try to look it up because i want to give him credit on head coaching um and special teams coordinator and they talked to, to harbaugh who obviously was the longtime special yeah. teams coordinator here and then eventually had to move to secondary so we could get a head coaching job because nobody's given a head coaching job to a special teams coordinator and even with Harbaugh's success over 16 seasons now, nobody looks at those guys. Right. Um, I think that's a mistake for the reason that they're the only other coach that works with the whole team. Yeah. The whole team. 
and they coach offensive guys. They coach defensive yeah. guys. You know, they have except the quarterback. They don't work with the yeah. quarterback, but right. and that's what puts them behind the eight ball. Well, I think people see. I think the 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 trend of the game is working against them. I think special teams, with what they've done to kickoff rules and so forth, with the onside kick rules, special teams is a less dramatic part of the game. Well, I agree to. with that. But my point, Les, is I it, it, special teams, and you've heard this cliche. Uh, if you're if you're you hear it with coaching searches, if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. It's yeah. been around forever, and they and do it true. every stinking yeah. time. They go, yeah. oh, Ben Johnson, let's get Ben Johnson. Well, could you bring Detroit's talent with them? Then I say, yeah, give me Ben Johnson. Um, what I would look for in that instance, by the way, is do you have somebody who's worked with a quarterback who's roughly analogous to Jalen Hurts or has some of the same traits that Jalen Hurts has? Can you find someone you know, in that mode? I really think there's got to be a lot of attention given to that factor. You know, I would not bring anybody in here whose expertise is working with a, you know, Joe Flacco type quarterback. You know, I want you. Which is all the rage, you know, the Shanahan Kubiak offense. Everybody loves it. Uh, But that's play action heavy. And that's Joe Flacco, you know, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy um, type quarterbacks. That's not. Jalen Hurts type quarterback. So be careful right. what you, you wish for. somebody who's worked with a well, Lamar then, Jackson. Then does it just come down to RPO, non-RPO? There's two divisions. There's RPO, there's non-RPO. Is it more distinctual than that? Because well, Lamar, you could... Lamar uh is a perfect example of um, you know, and and John Harbaugh has done different things over the years and you know, trying to get Greg Roman involved to try to mesh uh, the two together. And they've had tremendous success developing Lamar Jackson. Got to do it in the playoffs, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what they're able to do this weekend. I think they're the best team in the AFC, so they're doing a pretty good job. But if you put put Lamar Jackson in the Shanahan-Kubiak offense, I don't think he's as good. I think you right. build around what you have. But if and you put him in the Serie offense, would be, would he not be good? Lamar or would it be would great? Be great in this offense. Think Lamar so? Would be, yeah, he would be great in this offense. He would have to break a lot of tackles and do a lot of running when uh, when they blitz. Uh, well, they wouldn't blitz as much because Lamar can handle the blitz. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm hey, I'm, I'm blaming a lot of that on Jalen Hurts. I am, yeah. and Jody knows this. In good times and bad times. I always say it's personnel first. It's players first. Play always, always, always. I think way too many fans think the coaches have joysticks and they're manipulating everything and they can control. Jason Kelsey, as I said, Hall of Fame player, one of the great centers of all time. I don't think that's hyperbole. He was bad in Tampa. Even players like that, yeah, even players like that have bad games. Mm-hmm. He had a bad, and bad game. matchups. Yeah. Yeah. Bad matchups. Yeah. Beat is a, a bad matchup for him. Um, it's always players first in good times and bad. So yeah. I don't ship for But that. what was Jalen supposed to do with four verticals and, and eight blitzers or whatever? Yeah, but yeah. last look, when they run all go, and that's the four verticals against the blitz, I'm 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 with you. I say, what the hell are you doing? Um 
it, it, but when it comes to recognizing where the blitz is coming from, okay. and if Jalen's not looking the right way, remember sight adjustment means sight adjustment. That means yeah, if okay. AJ if AJ Brown's on the field, Jalen Hurts is on the field, they have to say, "All right, this guy's coming. We're going to run the hot hot route. Ball's coming out slant, whatever." Yeah, that a lot of that goes on the quarterback. Yeah, and I there was that big third and two early in uh, in Monday night's game, in which they had a running play called apparently, uh, which was the thing to do there, especially with their offense. You run it on third and two, and then you certainly don't lose any yardage probably, and you can run the you know brotherly shove, tush push on fourth and whatever. Uh, Jalen checked out of that, and apparently gave two different signals. For what yeah, he was checking and, into, and, yeah. Exactly. One receiver got one signal, another receiver got the other signal, and it was a disaster. And yeah. that just can't happen. You've been playing all season, you know. I mean, these are week one things, you know. I is it, I don't know. If well, Jaylen I would argue, and that, and again, if I'm if I'm going to criticize Nick Sirianni, I mean, he's been here for three years. Mm-hmm. They can't run a rub route. There's still guys going downfield, illegal men downfield. Yeah. That to me is stuff that's that that is the stuff I focus on. That's bad. Yeah, because uh, that that is really bad. Um, I think that gets lost in the sauce when the players don't perform, because right. a lot of times Jalen was a superstar. He makes a play. Um, AJ's a superstar. He makes a play. Devontae makes a play, and they make up for it. But when you're not playing at that level and you don't make up for it, then it becomes all about the coaching staff. It's always yeah. personnel first. Yeah, that's that's certainly – I agree with you there, yeah. And part of that is the thing that I know annoys both John and I for different reasons. Um, the, the continued use of uh, bubble screens. Yeah. You suck are at all it. over that. It looks you, like they're we, they're we've fighting been able, each other to we've to been able to, to watch it for ourselves. You suck at it. John thinks the play just in general sucks. I think it could be very good if you've got the talent, the ability, the the determination to actually pull it off. We're in week 14, 15, pick whatever late season. You've sucked for 14 weeks. Yeah. Let's continue to try and do it. That's how Brian Johnson. He keeps sending it in. That's on Jalen Hurts. He keeps checking off to it. They kept doing it even though they couldn't do it to save their lives. At some point, you got to go, stop. Don't do it anymore. And they continue to do it. That's that's egregious as far as I'm concerned, Les. But they did a hell of a lot with Shane Steichen. And it was as ugly as it was now. They're not good at it. They haven't been good at it. Um. It's basically, and I talked to Shane a lot about this, it's basically a numbers play, which I hate, and this is why I hate the play, because that's what modern sports has become. It's why everybody takes threes in the NBA. Everything's a math equation. Launch angle, baseball, everything. Everything's a math equation. Um, It's more likely you hit a three-run home run than play station-to-station baseball, so swing for the fences. Uh, In football, Oh, we got an extra man. We got numbers on the outside. Throw the bubble screen. They did it a million times with Shane Steichen. They do it a million times now. They weren't good at it with Shane. They weren't good at it with Brian. Um, 
that to me is is teaching fundamentals mm -hmm. and they're not good at it and that is well, a criticism of the coaching staff to take advantage way, of Aaron that Moorhead might get fired oh yeah yeah but to take advantage of that numbers thing you have to be able to everybody has to be able to get to their block yeah right? exactly and you see that happening over and over again where okay theoretically if this guy had run all the way over here and the defender hadn't already gotten in the receiver's face then there would have been a block and it all would have worked but yeah. How realistic was that to begin with, especially since the defender has seen so much Eagles tape that he's in the backfield before the ball is snapped almost? You know, I mean, I, ah, it, it's, you made it, you mentioned something a little while ago that I want to get your in. I have a theory on that the offensive lineman downfield. I posit that there was a time several years ago when you almost never saw that call. And I don't think it was because offensive linemen weren't leaking a little bit downfield during that time. I think when RPOs became popular, oh yeah, defensive yeah. coordinators started bitching about. Oh yeah, because on oh, an yeah. RPO, guys do because they think it's probably a running play. They they jump out there, and defensive coordinators quickly realized that they could go to the league and say, "Hey, what's this? They're not supposed to be doing that." Now the point of the rule. Is so you have block, you don't have blockers running downfield and you know getting in the way of pass defenses, which they aren't really doing on an RPO very much. But no. oh, they're past the whatever. But yeah, two well, yards. So and all we, of a sudden, if a guy steps a toe over that imaginary yeah. line, oh, he's downfield. Had well, nothing to do with play, but oh, that's a penalty. We're going to stop RPOs. That's you're a hundred. You're a hundred percent right, Les. And this also goes back to Chip Kelly because it started with Chip Kelly. Yeah. And if you watch a college game, any college game, you got offensive linemen leaking four yards down the field at time. They don't call anything at college. And who cares? What does it? What does it matter? But unless it, the guy's it, running down there and doing a rub route you know, as a guard, what the hell? Does it matter whether he's two yards off the ball or two but if and a you're half a, well, yeah. the difference if you're a defensive coordinator, as you said, and the reason they're pitching, it makes it really hard to play defense. You don't see a lot of defense at the college level when you're playing elite offenses, and that's one of the reasons because yeah. they don't call uh, those types of penalties. But are the offensive linemen in the way, or does it just make it harder to decipher whether this play is a run or a pass? I think it makes well when you got a big. I think it's both, but when yeah. you get, I, I think the bigger issue is when you got a big 300 pound guy moving downfield, trying to block a defensive back, that's an issue because there aren't yeah. many defensive backs that can shed even the worst offensive linemen. So yeah, uh, it becomes really difficult to play defense and yeah, defensive coordinators are going to pitch about that. It's like, this is a rule called a rule right. and that's how they call it in the NFL. It's way tighter and it should be. Um, yeah. And the Eagles need to know that, and they have to abide by the rules. But that's also a timing play. So yeah. the offensive lineman has no idea what's going on behind him. So he's like, tick, tick, go. Again, Let me put a rearview mirror in Cam Jurgens' helmet. Yeah. Whose fault is that, though? If the ball's not out, whose fault is that? Yeah. That would be yeah, I, I guess you're saying the quarterback. I don't know. Yep. You know, I, yeah. we'll see. But I right, last last one for me. And we always appreciate you joining us. We've parsed and debated and will continue to do so. Nick Sirianni and should he continue as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? 
Dallas Cowboys seem to be sticking with their guy. And truth be told is that ship was going down over the weekend. I thought there was a much better chance that Mike McCarthy was getting his walking papers than Sirianni. Uh, the Eagles loss, as embarrassing as it was, I don't think was as embarrassing as the Cowboy loss. No, it wasn't. Because they no. were home. They, they were home and they were playing game. well. They were home and they were playing well. There was no reason. They were undefeated at home. Yeah. They were undefeated. 16 in a row at home. Yeah. You know, their quarterback's playing like an MVP. They're talking about him for the MVP. Mike McCarthy has fixed the offense. Uh, Dan Quinn has fixed the defense. He's around interviewing for head coaching jobs. Meanwhile, you know, Green Bay could have put up 60 points if they'd have really wanted and to. And by the way, Jody, uh, Matt LaFleur won the coin toss and took the football and set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone. No kidding. Well, with the Eagles defense, I would absolutely do that. But that's that's a tangent. But, uh, you know, it's – it's uh, yeah, what happened to Dallas? I kind of see keeping McCarthy because what do you do now? I mean, where you had a tremendous season and then in, in – the only thing that you can take out of that game is that the playoff drought there in Dallas has gotten so far into these players' heads, yeah. even though a lot of them haven't been there all that long, no. that they just can't perform. You know, that that the spotlight is too bright, the microscope is is you know tuned up too high, and they just there's something here. Uh, but I don't know that a, a new head coach fixes that everything the guy did worked all year long. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I can understand them keeping him. I don't know what the only fix for Dallas is a new owner. And that's, you know, we don't know when that's going to happen. And, and uh, by the way, for all the talk about Jerry Jones, he rarely changes coaches. He doesn't. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest false yeah. narratives in football. I know. Oh, wild man yeah. Jerry Jones. How long no, was he, Garrett he, there? coach is yeah. much more leashed than yeah. I think most general football fans yeah. think he should. Yeah. I remember when, when Dallas, Dallas Eagles games back in the Andy Reid era, back many, many years ago, Andy would always make a point to say what a good job he thought Dave Campo did and how the criticism that man got was just, just undeserved. Not the special teams because guys. he did he two games yeah. a year against that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not a head coach, but Dave uh, Campo, yeah. wonderful coach. Yeah, one one of the few guys who actually did get a pretty quick heave down there in Dallas. We are yeah. not giving you the the heave let's Bowen, but parting is sweet sorrow, okay. and unfortunately, we need to do that. Check out his website, Let's Bowen's. That's with an E, J A W N. We won't get off on a John tangent today. Just check out lesbowensjohn.com and check him out when he joins us here on Birds 365. Les, always a pleasure. Thanks, bud. Thanks, Thank Les. Thank you, guys. It's Les Bowen here with us on Birds 365. All right, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call managing partners Jim or Fran and tell them – you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Neilbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamite & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mackinac here with Young Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald thanking Les Bowen for jumping in. And we will thank in advance Brooke Cabina from the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to join us coming up. Oh, the, the Athletic. athletic. Oh, what did I say? The Inky. The Inky. From the Athletic. Brooks Cabina is going to jump in coming up in less than 15 minutes. Um, I uh, certainly Sirianni and his coaching staff and what calls are or aren't being made and the all-important meeting that they're supposed to have today, which, by the way, John and I have thrown it out a couple of times. Les did, too. Really telltale. For those of you who are still clinging to the, no, Sirianni's going to get fired. Jeff's going to sit down with him. He's going to, it's going to come rushing through to him that this guy doesn't deserve the job. He's going to fire him. No. Um, John and I are both on the same page here. There's the possibility Sirianni could take either, a foolish route, not likely, or a stubborn route, which, oh, by the way, Nick's got stubborn in him. Nick can be really stubborn, and stubborn can lead to stupid. Refuse to ever take the football when you win the coin toss, but hmm. I digress. Um, that's the only way he's going to get fired at this stage. A, a really telltale thing. Now, again, this is a report. Diana Rossini... Not a, they didn't come out and say anything. This isn't a direct quote from one of the participants as a report that both Howie and Nick Sirianni have been making calls on potential coaching staff changes. You don't do that if you're going to fire the coach. You don't have him making a call to a guy, hey, we might be making changes. What do you think about Philadelphia? Blah, blah, blah. And then you turn around and fire the guy less than 24 hours later. Now you have to call him back, go, Hey, we're still interested in you. 
you're interested in me and you had someone call that you fired 24 hours later? Oh, yeah, I want to come work for you. That's exactly what I want to do. So it doesn't add up. So we are heavily leaning toward Nick Sirianni keeping his job. Won't know for sure till after the all-important meeting that's going to come down between the three top uh, individuals in the Philadelphia Eagle organization. That's been a number one story, and it will be. And it'll be here tomorrow here on Birds 365. I can pretty much guarantee you that. Uh, in addition to the just utter collapse of the Eagles as far as their loss in Tampa Bay goes, the other big story is Jason Kelsey. And Johnny Mack, I was in my car yesterday, and I did hear a WIP caller, and I know I put too much emphasis on WIP callers, fronting for the entire Eagle fan. Yeah, I do that day. too. I, I, I try, I try to say, cause you know, with me, it's, it's social media mentions and I put way too much weight. Um, yeah, I, I gotta stop that, but it's yeah, hard. So, it's so, hard. Do, so do I, cause, uh, I've, a, got a vested interest, and B, been doing it for 30 years. There's only been social media for 10. WIP has been part of my life and part of my trying to judge Eagle fans for three decades plus. Um, and there was one idiot that was on yesterday who said, come on, Jason, pissing it off the pot. What are you doing? Uh, dragging this down. Either in or out. It was one of those calls that if I had taken it and I was on the other end of the line, I would have had to say, shut the blank up. Um, <laughs> if anybody's got right to dictate terms about anything that has to do with him personally, I don't know that we've ever had someone in Philadelphia who's got a more legitimate leg to stand on to, I'm going to do this my way, than Jason Kelsey. I think he's numero uno, my 30-plus years in Philadelphia. What player has more of the rights to dictate terms on how he's going to potentially go out or choose not to go out than Jason Kelsey? You got to be just a stone cold idiot to go, well, oh, come on, Jason. I got to know. I need to know. You need to tell us. No, he doesn't. Yeah. He's going to do it however he damn well pleases. Yeah. I got, I got one of those and he's going to retire. It's just a matter of when, uh, but I got one of those with Slay yesterday because Slay suffered an injury that looked pretty serious. And his mom was down in the locker room. His wife was down and, uh, you know, nobody knew it, it was a back injury tore something in his back. Um, and luckily it ended up not to be that serious. Um, and he, and, it's a three week injury. And, you know, I got one of those on social media. Just so you'll be ready for OTAs. Just shut up. I'm giving you the information. It's a three. Th these players don't go into, you know, a, a frozen stasis. You know, when you, when you're in the shape of somebody like Slay, you know, it's, it's a year round process. So he's trying to explain that, you know, he's, he's not going to be able to do much for a three week period. It's not about, oh, he's not going to be there. Not, they're not playing this week. If they were playing this week, he wouldn't have been able to play. But, you know, then he can get back to his normal course of doing business in three weeks. But, yeah, you got I, – I mean, yeah. And and I hear what you're saying about Kelsey. Um, you know, I mean, he's got his podcast, and he probably wants to announce it there. And he, and he wants to – and he said yesterday he wasn't going to talk about it, but he did say – when it does happen, you know, he wants to be in a position to where he can thank all the people that have 
helped him get to where he is today and he wants to do it the right way from the fact of you'll hear a lot of Howard Mudd, a lot of Stout, obviously, a lot of the coaches along the way, a lot of the 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 teammates along the way. He wants to do it right, and he's got every right to do it that way um, whenever he wants to do it. But I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for him to come back this time. I do think he is going to retire. Certainly everybody close to him has gotten that hint. But I'll also say they've gotten that hint before, and he has changed his mind. So, um, so um, you know, maybe he can hold out a little hope, but I would be less percentage this year than typical years. And my overall message to Eagle fans are, shut up and wait. Jason gets to dictate terms on this. And whether it's later this week or next week or the week after or a month from now, he won't drag it out past the end of the season because he won't. And that was one of you noted it. That's one of the things he said. I'm going to do this right by the people who did me right. And at the top of that list is the Philadelphia Eagles. He's not going to make them sit and wait. So even if he tells Howie Roseman and swears him to secrecy because he wants to, he's not going to screw the Eagles. No, no. So don't worry about that because people, oh, we won't know if we need to move Cam Jurgens. How are we going to get another left tackle? We got no. a month and a half before the Eagles actually have to start working. They can put preparation in place. They can do some of their pre-work, but they're not actually going to have to make a move for, for weeks so Jason Kelsey can take his sweet time. He can do whatever the heck he wants. He's earned that. Please don't be foolish enough to make yourself look bad and say, oh, Jason Kelsey. No, Jason Kelsey do it, does whatever heck he wants. Even though John said, and I haven't seen the tape yet, and I noticed some of it on the on the game the other night, but I haven't broken it down yet. Uh, you think both Kelsey and Jurgens were that bad, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I got that. It was – what when I when I got done when I watched the game live, um, I I knew it more about Cam than than Jason. I knew Jason didn't play well, um, but then when I rewatched it, it was, it was a oof, uh, rough rough outing. And then I always tell you, then after I watched the game on tape, then I'd like to go back to to PFF to see where their grades are, and. Yeah, the grades were not good um, for either player. Worst game of the season for for Jason Kelsey um, from the grading standpoint, from their grading standpoint. And the only game of the season where he was sort of underwater, under 50%, both run, run blocking and pass blocking. And you know what? Over the years, when Jason does have poor games, he would always tell me, one of the guys he – had most trouble with was Linval Joseph with the Giants um, and Minnesota um, and eventually came to, to the Eagles last season as an aging player. But Linval for years had the reputation of being the strongest player in the NFL. I mean, he was a mountain. Well, he's still a mountain, but he was really strong as well. And those big guys would give him trouble on the nose especially the big powerful guys and that's B to Bay. And in some ways it, it makes some sense. And yeah, Cam as well. And, and in fact, I'm, I try to pull it up. Um, the, the 
Cam was a 50, uh, you know, out of 100, which ain't good. And Jason was 48.7 out of 100, which is even worse. Um, and, you know, a rare game, perfect storm. I mean, they were terrible in every aspect of the game. The only offensive players that played well were Devontae Smith yeah. and, and Jordan Mailata. Um, and that was about it. And and they gave Jalen Hurts a a, a a solid grade. Um and that was about it. Yeah, they lost the game across the board offensively, defensively. And defense was even worse. Yeah, right. defense. Um just uh, quick speculation because fans love it. Um 13 it missed a- tackles, by the way. 13, Jody. 13 credit uh, and missed tackles. Could was the, the number one thing that I wanted to talk about when I got on the air the next night. Um, do you think it's a foregone conclusion that Jurgens is moving back to center <clears throat> if Jason Kelsey retires? Is yes. that just a given? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Cam will be the center, um, next season if Jason retires. Yeah, they don't want to move, um, uh, Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mylotta. They think they really have some and they do really have something on that left side so a lot of people said move landon um and landon did play some center this year because cam was hurt when they needed um some snaps um and he could do it but they don't want to mess with landon dickerson and jordan mylotta now guess what if you change the coaching staff and everybody's gone and jeff stoutland's gone maybe things change but if stout's here Cam Jurgens is going to be the center, and they're not messing with uh, Landon Dickerson and, and Jordan Mailata on the if, left side. If Stoutman leaves, you believe that'll be of his own accord? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not getting fired. Yeah. yeah. There, there's there's that, that. Hey, for anyone, if it comes down today that Sirianni's out and you're a head coaching candidate in the Philadelphia Eagles interview, just a hint from your boys here on Birds 365, Tell him you love Stoutland. That yeah. will probably help your chances of becoming the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. You you want the gig? Say, my first meeting will be Jeff Stoutland to tell him how excited I am about working with him. That would be a good way to help yourself get the job. All right, let's take a time out. Uh, we're opening up for Brooks Cabina from The Athletic. Joined in season, which was he's got a different perspective. I, as a matter of fact, talked to Brooks Sunday on WIP. Good good guy, good dude. Uh, smart guy, too. Um, he doesn't have the same view that McMullen has, McDonald has, or a lot of our Eagle streamers have, because we've been here for years. Then watch the ups, the downs, the changes, the iterations. Brooks got here in season, so he's got a little bit of a different take. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from him again. Brooks Cabina of The Athletic, joined, scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Magamac here on Bird 365. Waiting to hear from uh, Brooks Cadena from the Enquirer to jump in <clears throat> on Bird's 365. Uh, yeah, I just texted uh, Brooks, so we'll see. Hopefully, it was a long day yesterday at uh, clean-out day, so hopefully he just forgot. Hopefully, uh, he'll get back to me. Uh, you know, I forgot to mention one thing, Jody. I got a, about clean-out day because uh, it was very weird. Uh, Fletcher Cox uh, was there and he he spoke and he talked, uh, defended um, Nick Sirianni pretty, uh, pretty, pretty strongly. Yes, very, pretty strongly. He cleaned out his locker, which is weird. Um, uh, and Jordan Davis then spoke about him like he was gone, like Fletcher isn't going to be back next year. I mean, spoke about him in the past tense that him and Jalen Carter have to step up and basically Fletch is not going to be there as a security blanket. And like, well, he is a free agent, right? Yes, he is a free agent, but you know, last year he took less money to come back. He had a great season for his age, you know, not compared to what he once was, but 
really performed well. Um, he he indicated he wants to play. Um, it's just very strange because I would I would think that's one of the veteran players that the Eagles would want back because he proved, and by the way, also played a lot of snaps. Um, and and again had a really solid season. It was just very weird because I, I'm talking multiple times. Jordan Davis was like, <clears throat> he's not going to be back. He's not going to, and, and which leads you to believe did Pletch say, hey, I'm not coming back for whatever reason. I would certainly say because you remember last year the Jets offered him a little bit more money. Uh, and he decided to give the Eagles the so-called hometown discount. Maybe he's not giving them that again this year, uh, but it was very strange. So I just wanted to – that was the strangest part of uh, clean out day for me. Uh, and you, you're reading into it more than I am. I think it's just Jordan Davis understanding anytime guy's a free agent, he might not be back. So if he's not back, I don't know if he used the word if enough. If he's not, he, back. he didn't use the word if at all. Okay. Uh, it was all gone. Not going to be back. That and was, he, that was the strange part of it. And yeah. if, and when he comes back to expect Jordan Davis to apologize. No, no, no. Uh, and he's got nothing to apologize for. It's just, you know, I'm just saying it's possible. He's been alerted by Pletcher himself. Um, you think that happened? I, I, it, it, it was very, it, it, it was very definitive. You know, if check out some of the clips online, it was very definitive. It was just strange. And that's why it was, you know, notable to me. Well, since I've already misused the word if once, I'll do so again. My guess would be Fletcher Cox talking to his young buck, uh, fellow defense attack. And the other thing about Jordan Davis yesterday was, and he says the defensive line. And then all he mentioned were defensive tackles. So he doesn't consider the linebackers, Hassan Reddick and or Josh Sweat linebacker, part of the defensive line. In Jordan's world, defensive line only means tackles. So I, he, he and I don't define things in the NFL exactly the same. I think most likely a scenario is Fletcher said, hey, I'm a free agent. If I'm not back, love you, bro. Boom. Prologue. Move on. And Jordan take that to say, uh, he's not coming back. Fletcher would be smart enough to say if, don't know if Jordan Davis is smart enough to say if. He just interpreted that and said, Fletcher's done. So now I have to talk about him in the past tense. I, I don't buy that. And I think Fletcher Cox, if I were a betting man, I bet he would be back next year. Because like you said, gave the Eagles slight. It was very slight. It's a million dollars. A million dollars is a million dollars. But with the many millions that Fletcher's already made, the Jets offered him slightly and then you factor in moving costs and everything else. He said, no, I'll just stay right here. And I, I would bet on it being basically the same exact thing this offseason. Off yeah, uh, just from uh, Jordan's perspective, I, I would say that uh, remember the interior defensive line um, works with Tracy Rocker. So from his perspective, and then the edge rushers work with Jeremiah Washburn. So they are a different position from, from their perspective of how they work. Um, the defensive linemen and the edge rushers are kind of split up uh, from the Eagles perspective.
Right. But then you have guys like BC who goes inside and outside. Mill Williams who goes inside and outside. So they have to know more. Jordan Davis is just a pure tackle. So, yeah, he looks at it differently than I would. Um, I, we brought it up with Les. I want to get your take on it. People are, so again, this is percentages of the fan base are up in arms that Sirianni hasn't been fired yet. What do you think is being said down in Dallas about the fact that Jerry came out? Because we're still waiting here in Philadelphia. The owner has said nothing about the head coaching position. Now, the Cowboys were one day ahead of the collapse, the end of season collapse, than the Eagles were because they played Sunday and the um, Eagles didn't play till Monday night. So I'm not not chastising or questioning the Eagles because they're taking their time and doing this. Jerry came out yesterday and said, we have no plans uh, to make any changes to head coach. How do you think that's going over in Dallas? Um, and, and by the way, from the Eagles perspective, before I get to Dallas, I, I, Jeffrey Lurie wasn't even in Philadelphia, I was told yesterday. I think he stopped off and went on vacation after watching that uh, disaster in Tampa. I think he stayed down there, Caribbean or somewhere, but um, so we'll see how quickly he gets back. But, um, it, it, with, with the Cowboys, yeah, I'm sure they're incensed. I mean, uh, the fan base, I mean, <laughs> they have been through this in the past. And, um, as we mentioned, they won how many straight games at home? I, I mean, 16, 17. Yeah. It was over the course of two years. Yeah. Um, They've been tremendous at home as a whole, and they had everything lined up for them. And you saw, well, this is the year for the Cowboys, or at least they'll have an opportunity to maybe get some revenge against San Francisco, how things shake out. Um, and they performed terribly uh, against a team that, you know, is very young and got hot at the end of the season, and Jordan Love, I'm going to pat myself on the back for Jordan Love. I, I thought he had a chance to be a, a, a really good young quarterback, and he seems to be taken off. They got a ton of young, good receivers. Boy, the Packers do it right, man. I can can't I, believe. I can can't I make believe. One Jordan, can I make one Jordan Love point? Yeah. Um, number one, yeah, you were right about Jordan Love, but you also questioned LaFleur, who's oh, the yeah, guy yeah. who's stewarding him to yeah. this. Well, Watch and I said, I have run. to revisit it. I, I already said I have to revisit because he did a heck of a job this year. I, you know, I thought he sort of walked into a perfect situation with a Hall of Fame quarterback who, you know how much I think about Aaron Rodgers. And I know everyone hates Aaron Rodgers because it was off the field stuff. I'm talking on the field. Uh, I've never seen a better quarterback. You know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. So. You know, same thing happened to Mike McCarthy. People would dismiss his success because of Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, he's proven a lot of things uh, this year, not only with Jordan Love, but uh, with all the others. They're so young. You know, I saw one of the concerns, and it was just this morning, uh, Bill Barnwell, um, I forget who he's working with these days, um, did – a, a, a snap-weighted age for the 2023 season. In other words, by the guys who play, the guys who get the most snaps, who are the oldest teams? Saints were the oldest team. Eagles were number two. That's not good. They got to get younger. 
the Packers were still in the playoffs, chance to upset uh, San Francisco this week. Um, 32nd, youngest team, youngest. just relying on, on young players. In their t- and that means they're going to have a shelf life as well. Um, I think, and they've just been doing things right for, I, I don't know, how many years are we on with Barb to Rogers to now Jordan Love? It's absurd. Right. It's absurd. Those That's the most spoiled fan base in professional football. And the thing that impresses me most about that game the other day against the Packers, about Jordan Love and about the Packers offense and youth and everything else, they run out of under center plays Forget about 50%. It seemed like 75% of the time in a league that has become, and we talk about this way too much. Oh, the league. Well, the league's a passing league. Why? Because somebody waved the magic wand and made it a passing way? No, because you check the results and you draw conclusions from that. And the league is absolutely a passing league. For those of you who want to run the ball 75% of the time, anything that would do that would have to do so in the face of what everyone else in the National Football League is doing. You know what everyone else in the National Football League is doing? Running out of the shotgun. About 80% is most of the teams in the National Football League. The Packers don't. The Packers have a guy who's been learning via sitting and waiting. Oh, I, I saw very little video of him in college, Jordan Love, because he plays lesser division. Almost everything he ever did was out of the gun. He never was under center. But they made the decision coming into this year, and Rogers is gone. We're going to we're going to build our offense. We're going to have our offense run. And the only reason I recognize it was, man, is he quick getting back into that pocket? There's an art to being able to take a snap, get back quick, seven step drop, yeah. and then step into a pass. How many passes have we seen Jalen throw out of the gun the last couple? He's well, yeah, they're well. Remember where Lafleur comes from, but you know that he's he's Shanahan Kubiak. You know, you sort of have these two. Shanahan camps. and Kubiak don't run as much out of uh, yeah, the center do. as he if does. You, I mean, that's one of my criticisms when when he went back to. I thought it was one of the weirdest things that little spike of uh, Josh Dobbs when he got traded to to Minnesota, and he had the great game where he didn't practice and he showed up and he beat Atlanta with all this physical attributes and just running around like a knucklehead and making plays here and there. And he won a football game. And then as he got into the Kevin O'Connell off who on the same staff as Matt LaFleur, Shanahan Kubiak guy, Sean McVay, um, then he's got him doing what Kirk Cousins did. Kirk Cousins, one of the best play action quarterbacks in football. He's got him dropping back under center, trying to fool people with play action. And he was terrible. He was terrible at it. Terrible at it. Um, Yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco, Kevin Stefanski, same thing. Learned under uh, Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, who's going to get. Same thing. He's got Dorian Thompson, even Deshaun Watson. Not as good. He gets Joe Flacco off the couch. A traditional, you know, go go play play action. He has some success, and obviously, it ended. Yeah, I mean those guys, those got those play action guys. They're under center, but 
again, it's a different type of offense. Yeah, but see, there's, John, there's more to it than just play action, not play action. There's dropping back. There's seeing the whole field the whole time. There's not having to take your eyes off the field to catch the, the, the snap. Now, supposedly, and I'm sure there's an analytical theory theorem that says this, it should get to you quicker because it should take you longer to slide backwards than the ball to be snapped backwards. But you should end up in the same exact spot and be ready to go. Man, I was impressed with Jordan Love and how he got into position, was ready to position. I'm not talking about play action. I'm talking about just straight drop back, get ready, throw the ball. No play action. Forget play action. I'm just talking about straight drop back, get to the place, and throw it. And he was phenomenal against the Cowboys with that the other night. That's one of the, the biggest takeaway. We know that one kid's got the six pick sixes. Uh, but even losing their best defensive back, Gilmore had a phenomenal year. He just picked them apart. And he did so after straight seven-step dropbacks and just firing the football and delivering the football and young wide receivers getting open. That was the most impressive thing that I saw all weekend. And it just jumped out at me that he's doing out a straight dropback. And guys, yeah. well, that's what the second uh, the second part of it is. Um, <clears throat> nobody does it in college, so they don't want to teach it, and that's probably you know uh, 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 not the way to go about it. But um, I don't think it's you know it, you could also uh, run play action from the gun. You can do it in different ways. It's just a different mechanic. But, yeah, it all comes down to footwork. I mean, they did a great job in more teams, I think. They have tremendous patience, and I talk about the Packers as an organization, for well over 30 years now. And I'm not going to say Jordan Love's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he had a hell of a first season. Um, the other two are going to be in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Um, and they have tremendous patience with their quarterbacks they let them develop and i think there's something to that i think there's something to it and in most other cities especially when you take a quarterback at the top of the draft you got to get on the field you got to get on the field you know andrew brand our buddy says it all the time he was on twitter over the weekend saying draft a quarterback before you need a quarterback draft it that's the packer way Draft a quarterback before you need a quarterback. Now you have some angst at the end, and they did it. That same thing happened with Favre. Same thing happened with Rodgers because those guys get, why the hell are you drafting a quarterback? So you got to deal with some of that. But from the standpoint of development, it's proven to be the way to do it. It really has. And, uh, they've done it twice, making the, the five one was a trade, so it didn't have to do anything with drafting. But – they drafted Rodgers. They asked him to be patient. They dealt with all the Brett Favre bullshit because of it. It worked. It paid off. Same thing with they, they drafted Love. Rodgers couldn't stand it. They had to put up with the BS. They did. And now they're seeing the benefits. So, yeah, the Packers have written the manual on, on how to handle quarterback transitions over the last several decades. We don't usually talk in decades, most of them, but that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. By the way, the... some Eagles coaching news I want to throw in there. Marcus Brady, this Eagles senior offensive assistant, is uh, going to get an interview with the 
Chicago Bears to be their offensive coordinator. They have requested an interview with Marcus Brady. That in all of your uh, crack reporting down there in the locker room, talking to people, sources, on the record, off the record, did you have one thing that you brought here to Birds 365 over the course of the year that I'm just forgetting where you said, and Marcus Brady's suggestion was this, and Marcus Brady did that, and they really took that from a Marcus Brady uh, former play or whatever. I'm John. I'm struggling here, John. I really am. Um, I'm still no, but I, 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 I'm Marcus, not remembering one. Marcus. Well, I've talked about Marcus, but no, I mean because he was in Matt Patricia's role on offense. He was. Matt Patricia was the senior defensive assistant. Marcus Brady was the senior offensive assistant. So he had that same role as Matt Patricia um, before they made the goofy move on defense. So, no, he wasn't heavily involved, but he's a big part of the staff as far as um, now they have more depth on the offensive side, so to speak, although fans don't think so. We have Nick Sirianni. Yeah, uh, Brian Johnson, uh, and that would be Marcus Brady after that. You throw in Alex Tanney. They have a, Kevin Petullo, I should always mention, because he's the closest one of all. Yeah, you, sure, you surely mentioned Petullo a whole bunch this year. Yeah. I don't remember a Marcus Brady reference. Oh, sure. I've written about Marcus. Um, I've talked about him occasionally. Um, he's former coordinator with the Colts. When he came in last year, I talked about him. They brought him in last year. Um, as a as a consultant, um, right away, basically, um, when he got fired in Indianapolis. So he's one of those guys that Nick knows, as opposed to the guys that how how he um, finds for Nick and Nick interviews. So he's one of Nick's guys. Mm, okay, that's nice. Uh... Don't know that it merits the Eagles going out of their way to fight to keep them. Um, are, are you suggesting that there's any chance that if Brian Johnson is giving his walking papers, that Brady will be considered? Well, I don't think Brian's. No, I I don't think Brian's getting his walking papers. So, um, no. If Marcus gets a job as an offensive coordinator, he's leaving. You can't stop that. Uh, right. You can't so, prevent. Um, I'll try this again. Let me repeat. If Brian Johnson gets his walking papers, which I certainly believe there's a better chance of happening than you do, but um, but if that happens, do you think Marcus Brady has any chance to get the position? No. It, it, if that if that happens, that means um, Jeffrey Lurie has essentially said you have to go outside the organization. I would agree, and I would prefer them to go outside the organization. I I know how tight uh, Sirianni is with Petulo, and you've had a chance to talk to him. I never have. Um, I, I, I can't speak with experience other than having a couple uh, people that I have had a chance to talk to do say that, yeah, he is – a, a, a go-to guy for Sirianni for information and opinion and, and to bounce stuff off. Um, so uh, that, that would, for me, be cutting off Sirianni's legs. You might as well just go ahead and fire him. If you're going to, if you're going to start lopping off his one 
tightest buddy on the team if it's just to make a point. Well, and just fire Sirianni, get it over and done with. But I don't uh, I, I don't know that Deagle's going to go there. But I do believe, as you just said, they're going to tell him you got to come from outside the organization for the two key positions if they fire the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. What type of – if you want to give me an exact guy, I'd love it. But if not, give me an overall – type of system if they're going to go changing and they're going to ask Nick to change offense defense certainly be easier for Nick on the defensive side but both what type of a system that you have a coordinator attached who's coming in from outside what type of a system would you would like to see the Eagles change Uh, on offense and defense I well, I w- I wish defensively. I wish they weren't worried about a system. I wish they would find a guy who's malleable and wants to come in and look at what he has. Um, um, Is there such a guy? Oh, sure. We saw it with uh, uh, my guy. He's available? Oh, uh, uh, not a, not available. Away. Saw yeah. it with Flores this year. Um, you know, he he had nothing, and he cobbled together at least a serviceable defense fell apart late but understandably so um and that's why i'm a big fan of his um now he blitzes a lot but that's not a system um he he was doing crazy crap <laughs> like i said he's led the league in blitz but led the league in uh eight man coverages um you just don't see that kind of stuff um I think the problem, the whole problem, the Eagles defensively in the Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni era is if you're, you know, if you're chasing a trend and that's what the Pangeo defense was, you're, you're behind. If you're chasing it, you're behind. The Eagles should know this. And, and they, they, they're typically very proactive when it comes to offense defense. I, I want somebody I don't want somebody who's coming in, even offensively. Like, um, if you ask me, I would rather have the Shanahan offense than, and that's not Kyle, it's Mike. I would rather have the Shanahan offense than what the Eagles run. But they don't have the quarterback to run it. So I I think the Eagles do the right thing. Um, And they tried in 2021. Why why do you think? Jalen couldn't run the Shanahan offense. I think he could. I think he wouldn't be as effective running it um, as he is running this offense over the long haul, not the final seven games. Over yeah. the long haul, we, over the long. Not, not trending well, but we believe that in the long run, yes, he'll he'll be better. Yeah, I I, I think you're doing a disservice. I think he. Um, I don't think he'd be as good as he has been in this offense, and I think that's already been proven in the first year, 2021. Um, it, it Defensively, it, I just, you know, you got to be very cognizant of, and I brought it up so many times, whether it's Tony Dungy or Pete Carroll or whoever the flavor of the month is, and now it's Vic Bangio. People catch up, people catch up. So I want a guy who's going to be ahead of that curve. Who that guy is, I can't tell you. I mean, it's probably a younger guy. It's probably the Ben Johnson of defense. I know Je- everybody talks about Jesse Minner because the Eagles interviewed him last year. Um, 
and he and he just you know he was at Michigan and obviously they had a great season um but I I don't know enough about him to say he's that type of guy um but but you know they need to get away from this scheme they need to get the hell away from this scheme I, I would tend I would tend to agree but here's the the flying ointment for you're thinking and and I'm I'm pretty much in lockstep with you. I'm scared to go back to a first time coordinator. And I know Desai was a coordinator for Chicago one year, right? That was all he was. Yeah, was one year. One year. Yeah. And then he went to Seattle and was the assistant head coach in charge of overseeing defense, whatever his position was. And he came here. So he was in his second year as a coordinator. You talked earlier in the show about continuity and growth as a necessity. You want another guy who's got to grow on the job that's never done it before, as bright a mind, as well thought of as he is, as hot a name as he may be. If he's never been a coordinator before, I don't know if I want him in this situation. There are certain times where you go, hey, we're rebuilding. Yeah, there's going to be growth pains. Sorry to tell you fans ahead of time, but get ready for it because they're coming. That's not where the Eagles are right now. They need results next year. So my thought is that they're probably going to go with someone who's got at least a partial track record as a coordinator in the National Football League. I don't think they're hiring a first-timer, do you? I think they're more likely to hire a first-timer. Really? Yeah, because, well, for a couple reasons. One, that's been their history uh, recently, Um, whether, you know, at least young, I should say, you know, Shane was an offensive coordinator, but didn't call plays. Um, actually called plays uh, for the Chargers a little bit. Um, but it, 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 and Jonathan was a first time uh, coordinator. Uh, Nick Sirianni was obviously a first time head coach, but also from the perspective of um, the situation they're in. Look, look at the conversation we're having for this entire show. It's about, well, is Nick Sirianni going to be back? Is Nick Sirianni not going to be back? I think we're all trending in the direction he's going to be back. However, everybody knows the clock is ticking now. Uh, it's on. He could potentially oh, yeah. be a lame duck, especially if he's being ordered to get coordinators from outside the organization. Everybody knows this. All the coaching agents know it. Uh, you have a potential lame duck. You want to put your guy in the position where – you're talking about he's going to be out in one year because the head coach gets fired. Uh, so they have the issue from that standpoint. A younger guy is going to be more willing to seize the opportunity um, to be a coordinator um, than a entrenched guy, like, say, Wink Markdale, who Eagles fans would be thrilled with. Um, and I don't know if that's the case because Wink feuds with everybody he coaches for. Um so you got to be very careful with that aspect. I think guys with cachet, same thing at the head coach. Head coach, I, I've said it from the start. If they fired Nick Sirianni and everybody's talking about Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, those guys aren't coming here. Those guys aren't coming here unless Jeffrey Lurie fires Howie Roseman. And we talked about it with Les and the collaborative process changes his whole process that he believes in. And that ain't happening. So those guys aren't coming here. Forget about it. Agreed. Shouldn't have brought them up to begin with. 
it, 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 it's always going to be a, a Doug Peterson type or a, or a, um, or a Nick Sirianni type. And guess what? Those guys have to learn on the job. Except for, again, using history as a guideline, he did pull a plug on Howie before, and he gave the keys to the kingdom to Chip. Now he realized it was a mistake, then he did a 180, and he brought yeah. it back again. But he has done it once before. Well, he has. And he's I, never I, done I, it is inaccurate. Do I has, think it's but... likely that he's going to do it here? No, I'm going to side with McMullen and say it's highly unlikely. But it's oh, not you, a 0% you heard... either. You heard me and Les talking about that a little bit. He he did. You're right. We all saw it. He also now admits it was the greatest mistake of his ownership tenure. So that's what he believes. He also fired Joe Banner, who was close, very close to him. It's He's not above understanding people have shelf lives. Believe me, he thinks Andy Reid is a great coach. But he knew his shelf life was up here. And by the way, he was right. Um, his shelf life was up. Phenomenal yep. coach. Everybody's got a shelf life. Bill Belichick had one. 25 years or whatever, quarter century, but he had a shelf life. Everybody has a shelf life. Even Howie Roseman. Um, is this it? I, I do not believe so. Um, but yes, he has done it once, but he also called it his greatest mistake. And then there's the compromise position in the middle, which we would look at and say it's impossible. But maybe, just maybe, Belichick does say, yeah, I can work with Howie. Maybe they have this great kumbaya meeting and Jeffrey gets sold a bill of goods. Well, and, hey, yeah, they'll be able to get they now, tried. Jeffrey's credit. He tried to do it with McDaniels and Jeffrey yes. saw through that veil and said, no, that crap ain't working. You guys are going to be fighting. I'm not doing that. That's. But maybe Belichick could sell it better than McDaniels could. You never know. All right, uh, we're uh, running late. We got to take our final time out. Come back, put a bow in the show. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. 
Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac, almost out of time. Uh, maybe we'll try book Scabina tomorrow. We'll find out. I don't know why he didn't make it today. Um, Johnny Mac, today you just work the phones. Do you do what Jody Mac would do, which would be go to the South Philly Turf Club and bet the ponies until the phone rings and then say, get over to the Novacat Complex because now you're only a two-minute ride rather than a 45-minute ride from home. How's your day going today? A uh, lot of texting today. A uh, lot of texting. Um, yeah, that, uh, and we'll try to see. Obviously, um, the Eagles. There's going to be significant movement on the coaching staff. I, you know, to me, defensively, it's about more who is here than isn't because most of them are going to be gone. I think. Uh, from that perspective, is anybody going to be back? And the offensive, a uh, little bit open-ended. Somebody, you know, we just talked about Marcus Brady. You know, Marcus wants to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. So um, he's certainly, there's certain guys like that, certainly looking probably to get out the door. Um, Aaron Moorhead's a guy I think that could be susceptible um um, I remember when Nick Sirianni got here, uh, Aaron Moorhead was looking for other jobs. He thought he was out. He was not a Sirianni guy. So um, I think he could be a scapegoat. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. A couple of days. A lot of, lot of texting with agents. Well, uh, make sure your phone is charged, buddy, because you're going to be doing plenty of it today. And then he'll bring his info and his insight right back here to Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald will be here manana tomorrow morning in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like 
comment and subscribe and we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on social media at jacob sports see you next time on birds 365 